BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In this week's Science Revolution, more and more of our medication is being recalled and isn't safe. I'll be looking at why and what we should do about that. Barry Bonglum of the Global Crop Diversity Trust is here explaining why wild seed collectors are having to turn into Indiana Jones-like figures. In Geeky Science, I'll be looking at the new studies that show intermittent fasting could help you live longer and healthier. And don't miss all the important stories, the science beat, and the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly. And now on the Science Beat, news that matters. Newsweek is reporting an interactive online map, ToxMap, that tracks toxic pollution across the United States has vanished from the Internet just recently, alarming environmentalists. And you should be alarmed, too. ToxMap lets users pull up EPA data for each toxic release site and overlay other important information, such as mortality statistics, onto those maps. It's those capabilities that earned ToxMap a following among researchers, students, activists, and others to identify sources of pollution in their communities. Data sharing tools like ToxMap have their roots in the 1980s when a toxic gas leak at a Union Carbide plant in Bhopal, India killed thousands of people. Estimates range from 2,200 victims to more than 10,000. In response to the Bhopal disaster, lawmakers in the United States called for legislation that would give Americans information about potential toxic sources in their communities under the principle called right to know. These types of tools are essential to our safety, but apparently Trump and the chemical industry just don't want us to know when or where we're threatened. According to a new study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association's Internal Medicine, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, failed to protect consumers from opioids. The New York Times has reported that researchers found that the weak oversight was occurring just as the opioid crisis was taking off and tens of thousands of people were dying from overdoses. The FDA asked the makers of OxyContin and other highly addictive long-acting painkillers for safety training for physicians prescribing opioids way back in 2011. The FDA also asked the drug makers to track the steps they were taking to reduce addiction and overdoses. However, the FDA never determined if that training was effective or even being implemented because the opioid manufacturers got away with not collecting the proper data. Andrew Kolodny, the co-director of opioid policy research at the Heller School for Social Policy at Brandeis, said it all when he told the New York Times, this is a really good example of the way the FDA has failed to regulate opioid manufacturers. If the FDA had really been doing its job properly, I don't believe we'd have an opioid crisis today. The lesson here is that the FDA should be doing its job of regulating instead of just sucking up to the drug industry. NBC is alerting pet owners. Vets are still alarmed by dog heart problems linked to grain-free food. By April of 2019, the agency said it had received 524 reports of 560 dogs and 14 cats diagnosed with heart problems that appeared to be related to diet. 
In June, the FDA took the unusual step of listing the 16 brands of dog food under investigation. Many of the brands are considered boutique brands. It's still not known how certain pet foods may be damaging pets' hearts, but researchers are seeing possible culprits, including deficiencies in certain nutrients necessary for heart health and exotic ingredients that may be toxic. Dr. Bruce Kornreich, a veterinary cardiologist and director of the Feline Health Center at the Veterinary College of Cornell, said that in animals eating these foods and getting this condition, the walls of the heart become thin and its ability to pump blood decreases. If this continues, he says, your pet can end up with chronic heart failure. Many of the pets that develop this condition recovered with a more traditional diet. Microplastics are raining down on our cities, literally. Microplastics have been found everywhere in the world, from the depths of the ocean to the mountaintops of the Pyrenees to the Arctic. A team of researchers in the United Kingdom is now testing the concentrations of microplastics in cities. And, The Guardian is reporting, sure enough, the tiny plastic particles are raining down on urban populations. So far, the scientists have tested four cities and found microplastics, pieces of plastic from the size of a sesame seed all the way down to microscopic, in all of their samples. According to a comprehensive global review published earlier this year, air pollution can damage every organ and affect every cell in the human body. Reporting by The Guardian confirms that the plastics found were small enough to enter the airways or get trapped and swallowed in saliva. Smaller particles are particularly damaging to the lungs and can enter the bloodstream. There's important flu information. There's a new study out about elderberries. Apparently, a chemical compound in elderberries blocks the flu virus from attacking you and entering human cells. Previous studies had shown elderberry extract can help flu symptoms and cut the duration of the illness in half. Even if the flu has already taken hold, the compound prevents the virus from replicating and eliminates symptoms within 48 hours. So you may want to stock up on elderberry extract, just like Grandma told you way back when. And in crazy science news, there's new advice for introverts. Fake being an extrovert, and you'll be happier. That's the suggestion of a new study out of UC Riverside that asked people to act like extroverts for a prolonged period. The 123 participants were asked to push the boundaries of their willingness to engage by acting as extroverts for a week. For another week, the same group was asked to act like introverts. In another study, train riders were asked to talk to strangers. A control group was directed to remain silent. The talkers in both groups reported a more positive experience. According to all measures of well-being, participants reported greater well-being after the extroversion week and decreases in well-being after the introversion week. Interestingly, faux extroverts reported no discomfort or ill effects. So my advice to introverts is to periodically pretend to be an extrovert. It may enrich your life and make you happier. And that's all the science news that matters. talk about Big Pharma for a minute here. Big Pharma spent a small fortune last year, well they do every year, buying politicians and one of the things that they buy politicians to prevent is the possibility of you and I buying drugs from Canada at retail, filling prescriptions from Canada or other foreign countries. And the, the reason that they say that they don't want us to buy, you know, that the politicians who take the money from Big Pharma say that they don't want us buying our drugs from Canada is because of safety. All right, Canadian drugs are not as safe. 
Now, you know, I lived near the Canadian border. I grew up in Michigan near the Canadian border, lived in Vermont for 10 years near the Canadian border, two hours away. And I don't recall any stories about Canadians dropping dead all over the place because their drug supply was contaminated. But we are seeing this now here in the United States. There's a compound called NDMA. It is one of the ingredients of rocket fuel. The massive contamination of NDMA was discovered west of Los Angeles in an area where they were actually manufacturing rockets. It gets into the water supply. Highly miscible is the word, and it means super soluble. You put a couple of drops of it into an aquifer, like, you know, miles and miles of underground water, and within days, it has contaminated all of that water. And you say, how could a couple of drops contaminate all the water? The FDA says that the permissible, acceptable daily human intake is 96 nanograms. That's 0.000096 of one milligram. An amount that's just so insanely tiny. 96 nanograms is the maximum that the FDA says we're allowed to take. Well, what they're finding now is some drugs that are manufactured in India using raw materials made in China that are sold in the United States as generics. And by the way, 80% of all drugs sold in the United States are generics. Are contaminated by NDMA at levels up to 20 times that 96 microgram threshold. Now, why should we care about this? Well, it's one of the most potent carcinogens out there. It's insanely carcinogenic. Cancer researchers talk about this. It's, it's also extremely poisonous. A Chinese graduate student, medical student, put a few drops in his roommate's water. It killed him. He thought it would be a joke. A Canadian grad student did the same thing. He put some NDMA in a colleague's apple pie. It killed him. It is insanely poisonous. So ever since 1987, when Congress and the Reagan administration cut a corrupt deal with Big Pharma to ban the import of retail pharmaceuticals in the United States, this dates back to Reagan. This is another thing that Reagan did, 1987. You may no longer fill your prescription with a Canadian pharmacy. That's when drug prices started exploding here in the United States because the pharmaceutical manufacturers have a captive audience. And they're saying those Canadian drugs are not safe, but we would be glad to sell you some contaminated drugs from India. I mean, first it was blood pressure medications. Then it was Zantac, proton pump inhibitor, this anti-upset stomach drug. And not just Zantac, but all of its generic versions. Now they've identified this in metformin. Metformin is a drug that doctors give to people who typically are overweight and are at risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And they also give it to people in the early stages of type 2 diabetes because it helps the body regulate blood sugar. It is the most widely prescribed drug in the world right now. And it's now also contaminated by NDMA because these pharmaceutical companies are bringing it in from China and India. Now, if you want the brand name version of any of these drugs, they are available. They're just much more expensive because they're manufactured in Switzerland or in Germany or in Ireland, which is where most brand name drugs are manufactured. Most of the generics are manufactured in India. So if we could just get rid of this 1987 law, this Reagan law, that said that it's illegal to import drugs from Canada, then Americans could buy Canadian brand name drugs manufactured in Germany or Switzerland or even in Canada. Instead of buying generics here that are probably about the same price as the Canadian brand names. Or better alternative, 
Democrats for years have been talking about bringing our jobs, our manufacturing jobs back to the United States. Why don't we bring back our pharmaceutical manufacturing jobs? You need to know this. Crop diversity is at risk and there are some just extraordinary people out there working to, in a way, save the world. This is an absolutely remarkable story. Barry Bonglum is with us, technical specialist with the Global Crop Diversity Trust based out of Bonn, Germany. CropTrust.org is the website. And Barry, welcome to the program. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. I've read this story about how these wild seed collectors are going around the world. So far, you've collected 370 different varieties of seeds in order to deal with the lack of genetic diversity in our seed crops that makes them vulnerable to climate change. Can you explain that? Yes, we collected 371 species and subspecies of wild relatives. So this is a global effort to rescue endangered crop wild relatives by collecting them from the wild, conserving them, and preparing them for use in pre-breeding. And this particular part of the project, it lasted for six years. But it is important to note that this is part of a bigger 10-year project that was funded by the Norwegian government, and it is aimed at adapting agriculture to to climate change. We call it, in short, the Crop Wild Relative Project. Some of the stories that I saw, collectors in Nepal traveling on elephants to ward off tigers and rhinos, and they found a species of wild rice that's resistant to bacterial blight and a relative of the sweet potato that's resistant to insect attacks and can grow in salty soils. In Ecuador, collectors wore long plastic boots with metal tips to protect them from snake bites while finding another high-yield rice. These are extraordinary stories. Where do you find folks to do this? Well, it's, that's a very interesting question. Thank you. As we all know, climate change is really knocking at our, our doors, and we need to adapt our crops to climate change. And we know that the genetic diversity in the cultivated crops is already very narrow because the history of agriculture is long. Over the years, as farmers have cropped out the domesticated crops from the wild, they lost a lot of genetic diversity. And now with climate change, they are not really able to cope with changes such as the diseases, the pests, and so on. So we need to bring in new diversity. And this diversity, the best way of bringing it in this new diversity is from the wild relatives, because the wild relatives are the richest source of untapped genetic diversity that we are going to need to confront climate change. Wild relatives, they have these novel traits that enable them to be able to cope in adverse conditions. And we really believe that these novel traits can be brought in to the backgrounds of cultivated crops used to produce varieties that are more resilient and can stand the test of time. Would a way to describe this be accurate if I were to say that basically the process of producing domesticated crops is selecting and it's what we've been doing for 10,000 years since the agricultural revolution, is selecting yeah. seed crops.
crops that are as ideally suited as possible to the balance between the current environmental conditions, the current soil conditions, the current local conditions with regard to pests and fungus and, and insects and everything else that are the most likely to survive and that have high yields that are the most likely to survive through that. And because of that, we've settled on just a few dozen or a few hundred individual species that provide the bulk of our food, particularly at a local level. But as climate change is altering weather and bringing pests that these plants might not have, have uh, seen before, whether they be bacterial or fungal or, or insect, bringing growing seasons that are different, bringing different levels of moisture in the soil or a lack of moisture in mm -hmm. the soil, that our seed crops lack the genetic diversity to be able to adapt to these new climates. And that's why you all are out there in the wilds looking for edible plants or subsets of the of the main edible plants that we eat, like you know yams and rice and things, that do have that genetic diversity that can fit into these newly created, essentially ecological niches that are caused by climate change. Is that an accurate way of defining it or ex perfect, explaining it? Perfect, perfect. That would be an accurate way of defining it. If you would imagine wild relatives, for example, some of them you can find them in a really tough of environment like for example our partners have to collect from the seashores which is really salty you imagine that for such a species to be able to cope in that environment it should have some traits that enable it to grow in that high concentration of salt and so we are looking at the future if we have climate change and our plants have to cope to high salty to salty soils for example we might need traits from such a crop wild relative to introgress it into the background of a cultivated crop so that it can cope, for example. It's the same thing with heat tolerance and so on. Some of these crop wild relatives grow in very hot places and also very cold environments. We're talking with Barry Bonglum, who is a technical specialist with the Global Crop Diversity Trust based out of Bonn, Germany. Last question, Barry. Tell us about croptrust.org. So the Global Crop Diversity Trust is an international organization and uh, we have a mandate to conserve crop diversity in the long term, still with the same initiative that we are going to need crop diversity in order to cope with climate change. The International Treaty for Plant Genetic Resources is the main policy instrument for the crop trust. Barry Bonglum, croptrust.org is the website. The Global Crop Diversity Trust is the organization. Twitter handle, at croptrust. Barry, thanks so much for dropping by today. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. My, my pleasure. Great talking with you. Sponsoring the interview this week is New Leaf Natural CBD Oil. Boy, with all this impeachment stuff and Trump treason flying around, you know... I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, it, but it, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever and anti, or it has potent pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. I think it's the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf Natural CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp, so the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's NU Leaf and save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S., 
When you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to NUleafNaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NuleafNaturals.com. That's NuleafNaturals.com. That's NuleafNaturals.com. Code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. NuleafNaturals.com. In geeky science, studies show intermittent fasting could be part of a healthy lifestyle. A new review of the evidence published in the New England Journal of Medicine Thursday suggests that intermittent fasting improves blood sugar regulation, increases resistance to stress, and suppresses inflammation for various periods of time. Because most Americans eat three meals plus snacks every day, they don't experience the switch or the suggested benefits. Dr. Matson, who has studied the issue for 25 years and practiced it himself for 20, told the John Hopkins Medical Newsroom that intermittent fasting usually takes two forms. One is daily time-restricted feeding, in which people only eat for a six to eight hour window every day. The second is called 5-2 intermittent fasting, in which people limit themselves to two moderately sized meals every week. Matson and his co-author, Rafael DeCabo, the translational gerontology branch of the National Institutes of Aging, looked at studies that suggested that a variety of additional health benefits included cognitive abilities. A study of 220 non-obese adults who ate a restricted calorie diet for two years had improved memory function. Heart health. Four studies in humans and animals found that intermittent fasting lowered blood pressure, blood lipid levels, and resting heart rate. And diabetes and obesity. Two studies of 100 overweight women found that those who followed the 5-2 intermittent fasting diet lost the same amount of weight as those who simply limited calories, but also had healthier insulin sensitivity and less belly fat than those on the lower calorie diet. Willing to give it a try? Now for the good, the bad, and the very, very ugly, the good. New York Governor Cuomo for announcing a proposal to ban expanded polystyrene, better known by the brand name Styrofoam, from takeout containers, coffee cups, and packing peanuts. It's been 30 years since the first small California cities began banning styrofoam, and this new statewide prohibition, which would cover 20 million people when it goes into effect in 2022, will be the largest in the country. Styrofoam is one of the most common pollutants and a health hazard that impacts humans and the environment. So good on you, Governor Cuomo. The bad, the FDA again for failing to make sure opioid prescriptions were safe. Documents show the FDA failed to use its regulatory power meant to protect consumers to make sure that a program meant to stop improper prescribing of opioids was effective. This was according to a new study published in JAMA Internal Medicine. The FDA did ask the makers of opioids for safety and efficacy training for physicians back in 2011 to reduce addiction and overdoses, but when the opioid makers didn't follow through, the FDA never demanded improvement over the next five years. Every day, 130 Americans die after overdosing on opioids. And the very, very ugly Fox Business host Charles Payne, who likened action on climate change to primitives who sacrifice humans to a volcano god. Really? That's just really, really very ugly. In your Science Fact of the Week, scientists at NOAA are reporting November 2019 was the second hottest November for the planet in the 140-year global climate record. 
Plus, and this is not sounding good, September through November and the year to date are also the hottest, according to NOAA. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page.